Hi, this is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo in the Howling, and you're listening to The Horror Squad. Welcome back to the Horror Squad Podcast, episode number 228, where tonight we are going to be reviewing Popcorn, the 1990s cult classic. Uh, I am joined by Steve. We are toddlers uh, tonight, but hopefully he'll be back, uh, maybe not next week, but maybe the week after. He's still busy getting that move ready to go to uh, Texas, so well, we miss you, Todder, once again, but Steve... I know you're feeling a little under the weather, but thank you for uh, Steve, man. He is, he does this for you guys, man, because I would have been okay with just being like, Steve, let's just like, you know, not do an episode this week, but man, Steve, he, he's powering through. He's not feeling well, but he's like, I, I we got to do an episode. So here we are. Yeah. I pushed it out to the last second, but uh, I, I, I'm like very committed to do an episode every week. So I'm going to power through it and edit it as quickly as I can. And then go back to sleep and watch more horror movies. That's what I've been doing for the last like three days. I got hit so, so hard with the flu. Um, I haven't been this sick in a long time. I haven't been sick in a while, but you're this sick. And I, I don't know where the hell I caught it. Thankfully, no one around me got sick. So it's just limited to me, but uh, it is what it is. I think I can power through at least an hour of this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's I, let's get into it. I mean, I'm assuming you got sick because we all went to Maine. <laughs> we went to uh, Bangor, Maine, for the Stephen King uh, tour, where we uh, saw a bunch of Stephen King um, sites and stuff that inspired the books and whatnot. Um, so Steve and his wife were gracious enough to invite Sam and I. So we met them uh, up there in Bangor, Maine, and we had a great weekend together. So Steve, take away. Yeah, it was an awesome time. So I've never been uh, to Bangor, Maine before, but it was kind of on my bucket list of uh, places to go see. You know, that's uh, famously where Stephen King is from. Uh, that's where his house is. And it's also where a lot of his stories kind of take place, a uh, fictionalized version of Bangor anyway. So Derry and um, Castle Rock are all based off uh, Bangor, Maine. So there's this very popular tour there called SK Tours. Uh, which you guys should check out. Very, very cool tour. And I want to see some of the locations. You know, they filmed some of the uh, stuff, some of the Stephen King horror films were filmed there, but mostly it was uh, inspirations for his stories that we saw on the tour. It's like a three-hour tour, and he does bring you through a lot of those locations and stuff, so it was cool. Yeah, it was. It was. It was, it was, it was a really good time. Uh, Sam and I Prior to meeting up with Steve and uh, his wife on the uh, in Bangor, Sam and I decided to take an extra hour trip to uh, a couple of the uh, pet cemetery filming locations from, of course, the original pet cemetery. So it was pretty cool. We were able to go and see uh, the Creed house, of course, uh, the Creed family house with right across the street would be, of course, Judd's house. Uh, Judd's house, unrecognizable, because I assume they built, from what I had read, they built basically a house in front of his, pretty much, like to make it look more decrepit and run down. Uh, but the Creed house, it looks like almost identical to how it did in the movie, which kind of blew my mind. Like the people have just 
I've kept it the whole time. Haven't really changed much. I mean, obviously it like looks still like new, like it doesn't look run down or anything. So they obviously have like resided it, repainted or whatever, but I mean, it looks beautiful and exactly the same colors. And then right next to the house, you have the field, of course, that they played in um, that Gage ends up running out into when they're flying the kite. And then, of course, the infamous road, which is a busy main road like it is in the movie. It is not a safe road. Sam didn't even get out of the car because she was nervous. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's like a highway or anything, but it's like a really busy main road. Um, but I was able to get out when there weren't a lot of cars flying by and uh, snap a few pics. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then I made my way over to where they filmed uh, the pet cemetery locations, which like the actual pet cemetery, obviously, which was in the most bizarre area. It was like, think of like, it was basically behind like a Walmart. Like it was like this super highly populated area and behind, it was actually behind a hotel uh, of all places is where the pet cemetery uh, actually was and filmed. I was going to walk back there, but then I saw a deer, so I didn't want to disturb the wild, the wildlife. So I just took a picture from afar. Um, so that was really cool. And then, yeah, the tour was great. I mean, a lot of cool stuff. Um, definitely had, I mean, we, we saw a few film locations there. We went to the cemetery where they filmed um, some of the pet cemetery scenes, which was cool. And we also saw, of all things, um, for your creep show fans, where Stephen King filmed uh, his uh, Jody Verrill uh, segment for Creepshow, which literally is just a field now. The house, uh, they said, was torn down. So it's just a field, but it's still really cool to see that. There was also um, some scenes from Creepshow 2 that were filmed in downtown Bangor. The Hitchhiker uh, segment in particular, um, which honestly I didn't recognize. I'd have to rewatch it now, and maybe I would recognize that. Yeah, and then the rest was all basically Stephen King inspirational stuff. A lot of it, a lot of inspiration for it. We saw uh, if for those readers of it, Steve, you want to say anything? Or yeah, I don't want to um, take all the words. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of like you said, inspirational things of uh, it to where he got inspiration for the characters the locations and stuff like that it's actually funny so he brings us to like the uh i guess more rundown part of bangor and he's explaining that okay this is where beverly's house is which is supposed to be like the most rundown place basically in the city and as we're like crossing it in the uh, tour van there's like a guy getting like searched by the cops <laughs> right at that location almost as if it were like a stage or something i mean it wasn't but uh, it's pretty funny that the most rundown place ha had people actually being searched by probably for like a crack pipe or something. That's what it looked like. So that was funny. Um, we even got to see the sewer that uh, inspired, you know, the whole Georgie scene and everything like that, um, which, which is all cool and stuff. I was a little bummed out because, I mean, it's not the locations from the movies, right? It's just things that he that inspired Stephen King to write the story. The locations, as we found out, were are all in Canada. Uh, British Columbia for the original and Toronto for the remake. It's still still cool to see and stuff. I think one of the cooler uh, locations is uh, this big water tower that uh, inspired him a lot. And there's a bench there that apparently he would sit at and write his stories. So we got to see the bench and sit on the bench. So that was really really cool as well. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then they uh, then we went to of course the. Uh... The coup de gras, the the ultimate place for horror, horror fans. Stephen King's house. Uh, you see it. You've seen it. I'm sure several times. It is very synonymous with people taking pictures. And 
it was awesome. Like I, I thought it was great. It was really cool to see the, the fence really makes it like without that fence, it might not be as cool, but it's just like, he's got like this really creepy fence that has like spider webs on it and bats. And like, there's like a three headed dragon and stuff. So it just like really, uh, you know, sends home that like, this is, you know, the, the house of one of the most famous horror writers of all time and it was it was really really cool to see and it's like a blood red color too it's definitely like has like gothic victorian style so it, it was really really cool yeah like i remember my dad when i was a kid telling me about that fence you know like oh this is a Stephen. he's a big stephen king fan like both uh, as reading and also that's when all the miniseries were coming out kind of when i was growing up and he's like oh yeah he's got uh, bats on his fence and he's uh, he's really committed to the whole horror thing that always like kind of resonated with me. So to see it in person was super impressive. And if you see the house, I mean, it's nice and everything, but it doesn't look all that big. But we found out from an aerial view that the facade, like the front isn't huge, but it goes way back. Like it's a really long house. Uh, so it's pretty crazy uh, for that. And there are other, he owns the house next door, which is he's using, he's going to use as a writer's retreat soon. It was just like really cool. They also have a new sculpture that they put in. I think it was this year, which is basically like a dedication to Stephen King stories and some animals and stuff like that, things that they like, so. Yeah, it was really cool to see in person. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the sculpture apparently is was all done with chainsaw. Like, it's made out of, like, an actual tree stump, which that's super impressive and was cool to see. Um, if for those who haven't seen yet, oh, we're on our, if you're not on our Discord, obviously follow our Discord, but our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, we posted a picture of me, Steve, and Sam in front of the King House. So make sure and check that out. And, um, yeah. I guess that's really it besides i mean obviously the my favorite part was just hanging out with steve uh and his wife i mean it was, it was super fun just being able to sit you know in our hotel room and just drink beers and just kind of talk about you know every just life and horror and the podcast and stuff like that it was was it was a real blast and it was a treat and it's always a pleasure to see steve i think this is only the second time i think we've ever seen met each other or yeah. seen each and other the in person. Last time, but, um, i mean we, me and sam leaving we're, we were just so sad because like we were like oh man like we're not gonna see steve again for a while so but well we will though because we are good we do have our halloween horror nights trip planned in september but it was it was it was really great to see you steve i did say last time that um we, we met that oh, okay it won't be too long before you see me again yeah. then uh, and then covid two and a half years later <laughs> yeah uh, right. this, uh, this time hopefully uh for real yeah i'll see him again and something that we did that was really cool is uh we went to the chinese restaurant that right. inspired the uh it in like part two uh the whole reunion scene when the losers club meet as adults uh so we got to eat there it's not it's only inspired once again uh but it's also where they had the premiere for it uh, so that was really cool and yeah, it was just super cool to hang out with uh, Sam and Joe. And uh, I know we'll do it again. So it's just a fun time all around. Definitely. And the food was amazing there. So definitely if you guys can go up to Bang, it's honestly, it's worth like a weekend trip. Like I wouldn't like go like fly, maybe not fly from like California or something from it. You might be a little disappointed, but if you're like, you know, I mean, Steve drove pretty far. I think you drove what, nine or 10 hours yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Mm. And Sam and I took a th three hour trip. So I'd say if you're on like the East coast within, you know, that distance, I'd say it's definitely worth it. I think it's sktours.com. If you want to check out uh, the Stephen King tour three hours. I mean, you get your money's worth on that tour too. I mean, the guy is super knowledgeable 
um, that does it. He is a Bangor local and he seems to really know his shit. So I would definitely recommend that. And then um, definitely recommend that Chinese food restaurant because it was the food was amazing there. And the Mai Tais were delicious. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it definitely. Uh, I even took a side trip after the trip. Uh, I went to Old Orchard, Maine, which was an interesting trip because I've only seen the beach uh, three times in my life. Well, I, I mean, I, I spent like three different trips because I spent like a week in Daytona Beach for uh, spring break and stuff like that but uh, it was cool to go see the beach as well and kind of relax and i gotta say though and i'm sorry if anyone lives in maine <laughs> if you're ever wondering where all the uh, white trash canadians vacation i think i found it so uh, that was that's my review of what old, old orchard is like but still a fun trip nonetheless um one thing i do want to talk about joe is something i promised you last time we met was i was going to bring you a box of canadian treats because it's a something we talk about quite a bit on our discord the difference between canadian chocolate and american chocolate so i gave you um kit kats arrows co coffee crisps and um smarties yeah so i'm curious yes. what do you think of them yes so i was very excited steve was very and his wife very gracious to give us a whole canadian welcoming bag pretty much there we had it's like a Canadian drawstring bag, Canadian flags. Uh, and then, of course, the the best part, the Canadian treats, which I I haven't tried the chips yet. Steve also gave chips. There were ketchup chips all dressed, which I don't even know what that is. Is that like a salad dressing? I'm not even sure what that means. I, I don't I just I don't I don't even know. <laughs> like, it's just something that okay. I, I thought that was a thing everywhere, but apparently it's not. So I yeah. have to put it in there. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll report back on those. And he also gave, they were dill pickle chips or something. Those were delicious. We tried, we ate those at the hotel room. All right. But the chocolates, I know that's what you guys want to hear about. So Steve gave these, the four chocolate Canadian chocolates, and I'm going to rank them right here, right now. Number four. So I'm going to go worst to best spoiler alert. They were all great. Like, I really, I really can't complain too much about any of them. I would eat all, all of them again. But coming in at number four, I'm going to go Smarties. And I'm just going to go Smarties because they basically tasted like M&Ms. Like, I, I felt like they were very, very similar. Didn't really have much of a difference in the taste. The only really difference was the colors. And they came in like a smaller, and they came in a box rather than a bag. And the box is smaller than a bag of M&Ms, I felt like. So I felt like I was going to get ripped off there. So that's why number four, it's Smarties. Number three, I'm going to go Coffee Crisp. Uh, I liked it, but... Um, and I will say most bang for your buck. Absolutely. Like the, the bars are huge and you get two big ones in there. Um, I just, I don't know. Like, I just felt like the taste, I just wanted more out of the taste, I guess. Like I thought I was going to get maybe like, there was going to be something in the more in the middle, like, like maybe a coffee taste or something. There's not really a coffee taste there. Um, really. And it just kind of reminded me, I don't know. It is the most different though, out of all of the four candies you gave me, we don't have anything super comparable, um, I guess it, uh, I was trying to explain to Steve earlier. It's like a hybrid between like the big cat, which is like the big Kit Kat, where it's like four Kit Kats like pile on top of each other. And um, other people know what I'm talking about here, but it was like sort of like a wafer thing that had peanut butter in the middle. It kind of had that consistency. I can't remember what those are called. But yeah, once again, not bad, but not my favorite. Um, number two, I'm going to go Canadian Kit Kats. Uh, they were delicious. 
better than American Kit Kats. I didn't think that would be possible. I was like, okay, it's a Kit Kat. Like, it's going to taste exactly the same. But it's a way different – It's you, you get the chocolate notes are way stronger, I feel like. It's not – and it, it's more subdued on the American Kit Kat. It's, so the chocolatey flavor really, really sticks out. And number one, I'm going Arrow. I Man, it's just like – it's really light. And I love like the airiness of it, and the chocolate taste is really strong. Sam kind Sam ate it too. She compared it to kind of like a like a Dove chocolate bar, which I kind of agree with that. Um, it just had that great taste, and like I feel like I could eat a ton of those without feeling full because like it just they just like I just loved like the light feeling of them. Um, also, I should mention I refrigerated all these, so these were like coming out of the refrigerator. So I don't know if that makes a difference or not as well in the taste, but yeah. So that's my rankings. I'm not too surprised. I knew Smarties would probably be last year, right? They're pretty yeah. much uh, just chalkier M&Ms. Um, mm-hmm. Coffee Crisp is an acquired taste. You know, it's uh, the reason I think it's popular in the U.S., like trying to find Canadian is because th- there really isn't something like it, which is right. really the reason I think it's so popular. Uh, Kit Kat was also, I didn't know Kit Kats were different. It's uh, the people yeah. in Discord who tried both that told me. And uh, yeah, I'd heard the Canadian ones better just because the ratio of chocolate and uh, mm-hmm. whatever's inside is bigger. And yeah, arrows are good. You know, they they got these little bubbles in them that make them yes. airy, like you say, and uh, <laughs> yeah. definitely very popular. So glad you liked them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. Like I said, everything was good. Like I'm not going to, I ate all of them. Everything's gone out of the fridge already. So we, we, we devoured them all. So I have no complaints about any of them really. And then he also gave me little coins, chocolate coins, which just tasted like normal kind of coins you get here too. But they were delicious too. <laughs> do, do you know what those, those coins are called? Just out of curiosity. Um, one were called like Loon, something Loon, uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> so uh, Looney is uh, the, Looney, the gold okay. one. It's our $1 coin. And okay. the other one is the bigger one. It's called a Toonie for $2. A Toonie. Okay. Yeah, so, All right. Something. So I will say I preferred the Toonie and Sam preferred the Looney. Oh, no. interesting. I, I just no. threw that in there because it was uh, it's just re- regular chocolate, really. Right. Um, are you ready to get into uh, some of the questions this week? Yeah, let's do it. So you can ask us those questions on social media at the Horror Squad podcast or on our Discord where great people in there all the time. Uh, one of those great people is our uh, sender of first questions, audio questions, of course, and that's Chuck. So Chuck, what is your first question? Hey, Horror Squad. Chuck here with a few questions. First question, what horror movie would be made better if it was remade using thumbs and chins? If you remember the classic Bat Thumb. I like the Blair Thumb. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, oh, I, I also failed, failed to mention anyone that does want to do that Bangor tour um, or go up to Bangor. They're doing a horror con up there, actually, in late September uh, called... Uh, weekend of the wicked i believe it is called and they're going to be reuniting basically the whole losers club from the original it minus seth green so check that out if you you know want to go up there and you want an excuse to go up there that's gonna be pretty cool so uh, but as far as thumb movie thumb horror movie uh let's go um a serbian film because that would be really interesting <laughs> good lord that would be a fucking disturbing as shit <laughs> uh yeah i i don't know i'd like to see something like the exorcist i guess uh, just oh yeah with the green puke and the all that kind of stuff so i think that would be my pick have you seen the blair thumb i have yeah have you seen like some of those yeah I know. <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny all right chuck what is your second question you're put in charge of a movie theater and you have to add a snack item to the menu what are you adding 
I mean, I, I'm a big fan of a candy bar that's not that popular, and you don't see them in a lot of places, and it's called the Caramello Bar. So I would add that because that's an underrated uh, chocolate caramel bar. And I, I'm a big fan of caramel anything, so. Yeah, I, I'm struggling with this one because I'm such a plain guy. Like, I only eat popcorn <laughs> at, uh, yeah, okay. at movie theaters, so there's really nothing that would entice me to eat it uh, at a movie theater, at least nothing that they don't already have. Because I was thinking, like, well, what's missing? Like, chips, but I don't want people eating chips because it's so fucking loud. Um, I don't know. Like, to me, I think theaters, if, as long as they have popcorn, I'm personally happy. And nachos, just because you guys, I know, are big nacho people, so wouldn't want those to go away. But I don't. I think theaters is, like, the perfect combo. I actually watched a movie... Uh, over this like last couple of days called the founder i don't know if you've seen that movie it's uh the story of uh mcdonald's yeah. and how they like i, lo- I love that one right mm-hmm. and i feel like movie theaters are like the mcdonald's idea like keep it simple that's what makes it popular you know mm-hmm. uh, so sure. i don't want to add anything and besmirch the <laughs> the movie theater so i'm gonna go keep it a status quo for now mm-hmm. uh, going back to candy now now that we had all this candy talk <laughs> right. uh i I was curious because like you gave all of the Canadian chocolate stuff. Is there any sort of like Canadian uh, like sour candies that are like different than like we get like Sour Patch, say like Sour Patch Kids or like Twizzlers or like stuff like that? Is there anything like Canadian that's different do you know, that you know of? There, there might be, but I'm not a candy guy, so I don't know. Okay. Uh, all right. Whenever you come to Canada, I'll bring you to a store and you can tell me all what right. you've never okay. seen before. <laughs> uh, say. It's, it's just not my, my thing, so I'm not as i guess knowledgeable about it uh, okay. a lot of the ones that i know of though are things that you've seen in the u.s you know all the big okay. brands so it's, it's very possible but i i don't actually know all right we're gonna have to get the fellow canadians then in the discord that's right know. yeah exactly uh all right chuck what is your last question fuck mary kill miss chiquita from chiquita bananas the sun-made raisin girl or the green m&m who you got Thanks, guys. Look forward to the episode. Have a good one. All right. Um, first, I'm going to say, I don't know. I feel like it's a little suspect about the Sun Made Raising Girl because I don't know how old she is, and I always thought she was kind of young. So I'm going to kill her just so I don't get in trouble here because I have no idea of her age. Same with the green M&M, but I feel like she she's kind of, she's been you around. know, vivacious. <laughs> so I think she seems a little, you know, sexualized anyway, which – m&ms did make her less sexual right i think that was like a big thing oh my god uh, yeah <laughs> headline recently so i guess i'm going to marry the chiquita banana um woman because i she just seems more of a a, a type like a wifey type and uh yeah that leaves me fucking the green m&m i guess which i think yeah. is a good choice <laughs> so so before the podcast aired i i didn't know uh who Chiquita Banana or the Sun Made Raisin Girl were. So I had to Google it and I had a discussion with Joe. So the Chiquita Bananas, there's actually two of them. There's one that's more human looking and one that's more banana looking. So we, we decided to go with the banana looking one for this uh, exercise. So if you're, you know, if you're playing along, then that's the way we're going to go. I'm going to have to agree with Joe. Um, you know, there's no way to cart the Sun Made Raisin Girl. So better be safe than sorry. So I'm going to have to kill her. I think I'm going to marry the chiquita banana because i mean you know once you're done doing stuff she got fruit on her head so you can eat so that's great uh and then the green m&m you know i think is good for a good pounding 
one time she's uh, she's famous now you know it's funny because by having that whole like controversy recently she like just made it more into the headlines if anything and made her more famous than she would have been if they had just fucking let it go it's just stupidity really like god that's your problem is that fucking green m&m looking too sexy god damn but yeah so i guess that's my that's my order all right so thank you check for the questions we'll go off on to some other questions that we got uh next one is from cinema spection that we got over on twitter what's your best horror movie marathon experience oh good question best horror movie marathon experience um man i so back man maybe like three or four years ago on the to celebrate october october 1st i did a nightmare on elm street marathon and like i invited a bunch of my friends and they just kept like trickling in throughout the day like while i was like just had it playing on the tv and it was like so much fun um and then i ended up watching i think freddie versus jason by myself because it was so late um and then I, and I fell asleep in the middle of it i think too but it was it was a blast of a day so i'll go with that yeah i haven't done a ton like with people um not a lot of my friends aren't horror fans so uh, that's not something that we would do that's something i do more like on my own in fact that's what i've been doing for the last few days i uh so i'm preparing for our uh, top of the 80s episode which is only like a month away at this point so i took a stack of movies that i've seen before but i felt needed rewatching. so i had a videodrome i had um, the fly lost boys i'm gonna watch alien and aliens i know alien is 1970s but i felt i had to watch it it was a good it's good for a rewatch anyway so figured i'd add that to the list so I love doing that once in a while, just putting a stack of films and doing a marathon. But as far as an official marathon, the only one I've really ever seen is I saw uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead in theater. And interestingly enough, and I think I've said this in the past, they played the remake of Night of the Living Dead and then the original Dawn and Day of the Dead, which I thought was weird at the time because Night of the Living Dead is like you know public domain. So you'd think that would be the one that they have an easier time airing, but no, I they put the uh, remake which was i was personally happy with but yeah that was a great time speaking of public domain uh winnie the pooh public domain folks we're getting a winnie the pooh horror movie coming out uh we're not doing news this week so i just wanted to mention that briefly it looks fucking ridiculous but i'm excited for it i think we i think we should cover it honestly absolutely i want to cover it um <laughs> yeah we're, we're actually getting on that point where a lot of the big characters from a long time ago are going to go public mm -hmm. domain uh you know there's a lot of talk of mickey mouse going public domain very soon so wow i'm wondering what kind of shit we're gonna see with that <laughs> but uh yeah winnie the pooh looks crazy i love it like, i'm really interested in seeing what they do with that I feel like they just spent the entire budget on the mask though. Cause the mask is really cool looking. And I feel like the rest of the movie is not going to be up to par with that, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I think uh, it's going to look cool because both Piglet and uh, Winnie the Pooh have cool masks though. I'm hoping we get the other characters too. It'd be cool to see all the characters kind of done that way, but I think it's only Piglet and Winnie the Pooh from what I read, but still super interested in it. Hope we cover it. Uh, is there a release date on that? Oh, I'm, I think I saw one. I, no, I didn't see one either. It's there's not a trailer out yet. They just released images, so I'm assuming either end of the year or early 2023. Um, and our last question this week uh, from Daryl is actually popcorn related, so I'm going to save it for the end because it is a very interesting question that I think is something we should discuss during our review. So um, thank you for all the questions this week. We really appreciate it. Now I know I need it. 
I need some Deadly Grounds coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Alrighty, Steve. Perked up now from that Deadly Grounds coffee. What you been watching this week? Uh, so my first one this week is a 2022 film that I watched over on Tubi, and it's called Teardrop. So in this one, an aspiring writer uh, goes to a kind of Western town to uh, seek inspiration for his next book. He uh, writes about like ghosts and legends and stuff like that. So he goes there because he feels some kind of attachment to that place. And he wants to get the material to write his next book. And he brings along his students. He's also a teacher who go kind of on a retreat at this uh, kind of Western town. Uh, nothing too crazy in this film. You know, it's a pretty standard ghost, you know, kind of uh, learning the legend of the town. And the people who live in the town act kind of weird and stuff like that. So there's nothing like too outside of things we haven't seen before. I will say this, though. Uh, for a low-budget movie, it's shot very well. And some of the actors in this, like, legit could be big-time actor actors one day. The performances are surprisingly really, really good. Uh, I really like some of the actors in this. I really hope that some of the actors in this start doing other stuff because with good material, I think these people could be stars. Uh, I was really shocked by how good uh, the the acting was in this and I, I was along for the ride to be honest for most of the film but unfortunately and this happens a lot with movies like this the last act just completely took a nosedive for me and it just doesn't come together in a satisfying way it just um you know they, they build up these legends and what's going on in the town but what ultimately happens in the town is just a little too far-fetched and maybe a little too crazy for uh the story like the yeah for what the story is so i'm happy i watched it uh, i wouldn't revisit it necessarily but um yeah I, th I think it was an okay watch that's teardrop over on tubi all righty uh i just got one this week and it's actually something we talked about while we were up uh in maine actually uh sam and your wife steve were talking about this show the wilds uh, and Sam decided to start it, and we ended up binging it. We watched full seasons. Uh, so that is available on Amazon Prime, Who anyone uh, anyone that wants to check it out. Um, but basically, The Wilds is, if you've seen Yellow Jackets, uh, it's very similar. But The Wilds did come out first. So who copied who? I don't really know. What Who wrote it first, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it is different in a lot of ways. But so basically, um, season one is about um this group of girls they're on a plane they the plane crashes they're on their way to um sort of a i don't know like a social retreat type thing i don't know it's sort of like a well a wellness retreat i believe is what they call it uh and the plane crashes and they end up uh being stuck uh out there and they have to try to survive um there's twists and turns along the way i don't want to give it away if i uh, you know you're going to end up watching it. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, and I will say season two uh, brings in a group of boys um, who deal with the same situation, a plane crash. 
And if you watch season one, you'll know kind of what is going on with the boys in season two. Um, But yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, and it kind of goes with that. So it's kind of like a mix between, I guess, like Yellow Jackets meets Lost, uh, sort of. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's done, you know, obviously, like, it's like a young teenager-ish show, I guess. But it definitely deals with like a lot of adult themes as well. And it it makes it it's very interesting because like every character isn't perfect and every character has flaws and has problems and you know you, you think you're, you're gonna hate this character and you end up liking the character so like it's very good character building and there's good drama in it um i liked season two a lot better actually than season one and i don't know if sam would agree with me on that because like i was ready to kind of jump ship early on in season one but i i stuck around for it and then i ended up really enjoying season two and i'm interested to see where it goes for season three because i definitely think it's coming back for a third season the way they ended season two so i would i would recommend the wilds if you're into you know survival out in the woods type drama stuff yeah i personally didn't like it um yeah my wife really likes it. she's actually watching the i think the penultimate episode of season two right now as we're recording Mm -hmm. um i don't know it's just too much teenage drama for me and yeah not enough survival (laughs) you know i I really like survival stuff uh and something that i'm getting really fucking tired of in all tv shows and it happens way way too much now is i'm tired of going backwards like sure. I'm so tired of flashbacks and people like you know slowly revealing stuff through flashbacks. Like I just wanted the story to go forward, and this happens in fucking everything now. Uh, like Lost really started that trend, and right. it seems like everything I watch now they have to go into fucking flashbacks, and it's everything I watch. Like even if I look at you know the the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, I'm tired of movies that are like, okay, this happened before the events of this because i just want to see the next evolution of the story you know and i'm just tired right. of flashbacks and tired of going back and this story is all that it's basically they t- they talk they're a little bit in the present and then they go in, the, in a flashback and then they're back in the present it's just it's too much i'm tired i'm tired of it so, so the show didn't really pique my interest i think lost is a better version of this show oh 100 percent. yeah 100%. Uh, did you find Le- uh, yellow jackets to be a better version of the show Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, this is like, you know, uh, like, like a light version of both of those shows. Right. But if you're into both of those shows, I think it's worth a watch. But it's not as good, clearly, right. as either one of those shows. Right. So, yeah. Personally, I didn't like it. My wife loves it. So that's, I'm glad you all guys right. liked it, too. My last one this week is a movie from 1987 you all might have heard of. It's The Lost Boys. Uh, I'm preparing for the 80s show. And uh, like I said before, and The Lost Boys was on my list of films I haven't seen in a long time. And I felt it was time to revisit it to see whether or not it should be included in my top 10. Because it's one of the movies that's kind of on my teetering between yes and no. So the story is a family moved to, is it Santa Clarita or something like that? Uh, California. And it's the murder capital of the world. Uh, kind of a very slummy beach place that they go to. And uh, the older brother meets a group of kind of like this gang who are, you know, always like being badasses and causing trouble around town. Meanwhile, the younger brother is uh, meeting these two other brothers who think they're, who say there are vampires in the town and stuff like that. And sure enough, that gang is all vampires and and they infect the older brother. And then it's up to the younger brother and his friends to 
kind of clean up everything and restore uh, the brother because if you kill the head vampire, he goes back to normal. It's a very good film. You know, I, I as I remembered it, I mean, I do really like The Lost Boys. Uh, it's a very 80s film from the fashion styles to the music to the way it's filmed to the way the story is composed very very 1980s and that's a good thing in my opinion because i do like the 1980s very much some great gore particularly in the last act when they start killing off the vampires and stuff like that i thought that was really cool and it's you know something that uh, i'm happy i rewatched because it gave me kind of a better idea as whether or not it's going to make my top 10 at the end of the year i'm not going to say it of course because it's only in like a month but uh, definitely worth watching there are some issues i think the pacing is uneven there are some parts that feel a little bit long. I think, was it Corey? Which of the Corys? Corey Haim and Corey Feld. I think it's Corey Feldman that plays one of the Frog Brothers, right? Hey, isn't it both, right? Aren't they both the Frog Brothers? Or... No, uh, the other one's a kid. Okay, okay, well, okay. they're friends though. That's right. Oh no, yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. Corey Haim's like the, the family that moves in. and Right. Corey yeah, Feldman yeah, yeah. is... Uh... It's Corey Feldman and uh, what's his name? Uh, shit, I can't remember the other kid's name there. Right, Jason yeah. Jason something, I think. Yeah. Right. Uh, I hate his voice in this. Like he has like a <laughs> fucking deep ass voice for a kid. And it's annoying, but uh, overall, a great film, and maybe we'll make my top ten. Guess we'll see. So it's a month from now in July. We plan on doing that episode, and it's a, it's a tough one. Like I'm having a hard time with the '80s list. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. I, I realized something recently is that I I remember the '80s fondly. And when I first mm-hmm. thought of making this list, I'm like, fuck, there are way too many films I could put on this list. But as I'm rewatching them, holy shit, nostalgia is like really <laughs> color, colored my you know, glasses because sure. I'm rewatching them like, shit, this is not as good as I remember it. And this has happened right. a lot. <laughs> and I don't know what that is. So I don't know what's going on. There are films that held up incredibly and they're easily on my list. But there are some I'm like, I'm having a little bit of a hard time picking that, you know, like six to 10 uh, okay. film range. So. It'll be interesting to see I, what happens. I hope The Fly is one of the ones that you think held up well, because I love The Fly. Well, so I'm, I'm only halfway through it because I, okay. uh, I, I fell asleep and I'm going to rewatch it <laughs> the other half tomorrow. And let's face it, the second half of The Fly is where awesome. The Fly is yeah. made. Yeah. So, right. yeah. But so far, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely one that I think that's held up and quite well. So, mm-hmm. Awesome. Alrighty, folks, uh, we're going to forgo trivia this week due to Todd being out, but uh, st- stay tuned. We'll probably bring it back next week, even if Todd doesn't come back. We're just trying to power through this week with, you know, Steve being sick. And I also worked a double today, so we're both a little, both feeling a little tired, I think. Uh, all right, so let's get into our main feature, 1991's Popcorn, A Master of Disguise. A master of disguise deranged killer begins killing off the college students who are organizing a horror movie marathon in an abandoned theater. This movie uh, stars Jill Sholin, Tom Villard, and Dee Wallace. Folks, you know her. We've had her on. Lovely woman. Uh, directors Mark Harrier and Alan Omsbury. Um, they give two directors because Alan Omsbury uh, left production. Uh, so I, we'll get into that because there's a lot... Uh, to digest with this movie but yeah so uh you heard the plot basically a uh, bunch of student filmmakers they they're in class discussing filming and whatnot and for whatever reason they decide they're going to do this horror movie marathon i don't even remember the exact reason they give to do it honestly do you remember steve they're just no. like let's do it yeah <laughs> I, I thought it was like a class project or something yeah i guess something so to do they, with their class 
Right. So they just, you know, so the, this group of a uh, very small class, might I add, is like seven kids in this in this college uh, film class. When I was in college, my classes were that small, like my film classes. Okay. Uh, we basically, yeah, we'd basically be like eight to 10 people um, okay. to do the project. So I think that's actually accurate. Realistic. Because right. the bigger the class, the less they can teach you like film wise, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, right, so cool. that part is realistic. All right. Good to know. Yeah, so they decide, hey, we're going to do this like fun horror movie marathon thing. I believe it was maybe to raise some funds or something like that. I I can't totally remember, but I think it was to like raise funds for their class or something like that. So they rent out a uh, movie theater that is getting ready to be torn down, um, which also um, actually, no, that didn't have. Hold on. Let me go back. All right. So they decide to rent out this movie theater. And show three horror films that all had a gimmick, basically. So they, every horror, one is like a mosquito. So they have like a giant mosquito. One is like a uh, electric man and they, that sh- and they shock the audience with it. And then the third one is the stench where they uh, can put out a stink smell. So like all these like really fun gimmicks. Um, so they do this horror movie marathon, rent out the theater Little do they know there is something sinister lurking within there. They find a, uh, they find a old film reel from a movie called Possessor uh, that basically the guy who made it went crazy and killed uh, his, I think wife and kid or something like that, like on, on this, on the stage or something like that, the night of the movie. And then they set the movie theater on fire, like this massive tragedy. So yeah. Is it that person doing the killing? Do we, and we basically, that's kind of what the movie leaves off. It's just, you know, it turns into, you know, a slasher for the most part, for the majority of the movie, uh, in this basically one movie theater setting the entire, uh, rest of the film. So yeah, Steve, what'd you think of this one? Uh, I love the idea of this one. I, I really like the idea of it happening at a movie, you know, festival and, you know, or a marathon and they're doing all these like cool things. They, this is like the coolest fucking theater experience ever. I wish that theaters in my area did shit like this. It kind of reminded me a little bit of matinee. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that. It's uh, with John Goodman uh, where he does kind of the same thing where it's like uh you know, a movie that has this stuff happening and stuff like that. And I've also been, you know, at uh, Disney World, for example, they have a few movies that do this where uh, they poke you and they there's real things that happen to the theater and they, wet, you know, they spray water at you and stuff like that. So I always like that concept and having it as a horror movie, I thought was very interesting. Uh, I like the movies that they chose as the, you know, the three kind of main uh, movies for the marathon. The... There was some cool stuff about it too, like just, you know, the, the way they were having fun with the audience and how all that came to be. My problem with it is that I thought the killer whole story was very muddled. And I found out through Joe later that there are reasons for that. I didn't know if it was like a kind of a supernatural type killer or it was just a real serial killer type guy that just wanted to fuck with the audience. Or if this whole thing was just essentially a ruse you know like to end with a stage play to really kind of put the cherry on top of the horror evening for the audience you know so it could have gone really all three ways and it's like they didn't even know what it should be uh, at some points because sometimes it was a very supernatural type killer sometimes it was just a regular killer there are some scenes that are pretty like chilling surprisingly like one in particular where 
they use a female usher's corpse as a puppet I thought that was a little frightening looking like they did a good job of uh, selling that whole thing but overall I don't know it's just even though I enjoyed it uh there was like a there's something missing you know there's like something that just was disjointed for me yeah and I may also mention Todd um he wasn't a big fan of this one either uh, I'm gonna be the dissenting voice here I think um I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of like problems with this movie. No doubt about it. But man, I don't know. It just like has its charm. Like I, I think the movie theater setting really, really is what helps this movie a lot. I absolutely love the movie theater setting. I love the gimmicks for all of the movies. And yeah, I don't know. It's just like a really fun ride. It just like, man, for a movie that came out in the 90s, it is so fucking 80s. And I guess because it's like early 90s, but like watching it, I mean, it feels like a movie that was made in like 1986 or 87 or something like that. It just feels like just your 80s cheese movie. And I think that helps it a lot too, where you can like look past some of the weird shit in this. Like apparently you can just go and like grab a popcorn and come back and a guy can just steal your girl like out of nowhere. Like that, I don't know. That was so fucking weird and then you get this weird ass like uh you know reggae band that gets up during a power outage and just puts on an impromptu concert it's just like so much like weird shit that i would never like accept for a lot of other movies but i don't know there's just something about this one that i'm able to just I was able to just go along for the ride and just have a fun time. And I ended up really liking the killer in this one. I thought he was like really cool. He looked awesome. His, um, his motive like made sense uh, for the most part, like even though it was like a little weird, but it, it, the motive made sense. He looked great. Um, and I loved that he like had all these, like the, I mean, obviously maybe not realistic that he like had these masks that he could put on and basically like, it made him completely alter his voice and stuff like that. But obviously like there's a reason for that, obviously, which we'll, we can get into later with the whole, um, this production being like a complete shit show. Um, but I loved that. I loved that, that he was able to do that. I thought it was really cool. It was really creepy. Yeah. So I was just, yeah, I was just able to accept the the flaws and just enjoy the ride. Yeah, I can see that. It's, it's definitely one that you need to overlook a lot of things. Uh, for it to make a uh, real sense and i did like it maybe it's coming off i don't i didn't like it i did like it i just think that it could have been way better had they just streamlined this whole movie a little bit more and had a more of a focus you know like as to what exactly is happening throughout the film you're right the killer was really cool when he was on screen uh when he's trying on all the different faces and stuff he was very uh very compelling and everything uh, i do think that the way they get rid of him at the end was a little like it was cool but it was a little cheap yeah, I wish there was could could have been a little bit more to that, but um, overall, yeah, it was a fun film. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, why don't we get into uh, Daryl's question because that will spark up a good uh, conversation. Absolutely. So uh, Daryl, who actually has a really cool TikTok channel uh, called Mr. Meat Hook, uh, where he goes through horror film stuff, so check that out. He says, mid filming, the producers decided they wanted to change from a supernatural movie to a slasher, which results in an uneven tone. Do you think this hurts the final product or do you think it makes it more interesting as it's more unique that way? Yeah. So, and it definitely shows, right? Like in this movie, cause like it, you can tell like they didn't exactly know like where they wanted to go, like with that ending, obviously. Cause like the mask thing, like that was a total like supernatural element to it. That really doesn't make sense. And then you get the slasher. Um, I, I would say it hurts it, I guess. I mean, it does make it unique in some ways, but it just, 
it it hurts the final product because it just makes you question uh, a lot of this stuff more um, and kind of is like, uh, okay, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, yes, it doesn't make it unique, but I think if they had really leaned in to one side or the other, it could have made for a better movie overall. I, I, I think either side could have been really good. You know, I, I don't think there's one side or the other that was better than the other. It just depends. They just needed to lean into one side and not not flip-flop between the two because if he's supernatural, uh, it's actually more like, what was that movie we watched where the guy like got, got his dick exploded that was in a movie theater about a movie that was... Uh, do you remember that? It was like two years ago. Oh, uh, Last Matinee? No. That that, that, see, no. Last Matinee is more of the actual serial killer. Uh, okay, There's yeah. a movie we watched two years ago that we I think we reviewed on the podcast. Maybe Porno? Oh, Porno. Yeah, yeah. Porno. Yep. Uh, which seemed, was like more supernatural. So we've right. seen kind of the two sides of this coin and both of them are good in their own way. I just, need, mm-hmm. I just think they needed to really lean into one side or the other. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, uh, I don't know which one I would have liked more. You know, um, you know, it's such kind of a ridiculous movie anyway. So I think Supernatural would have worked at the same time having a real guy kind of fucking with everything would have been interesting too, because it would have made it more, I guess, realistic. And this is something you can do at a movie theater uh, screening, you know? So, but at the same time, I also thought maybe it was all fake. Like this was all part of the plan, uh, like some big ruse to have a grand finale where it goes from movie to movie to movie and then to a play. And then it ends. And then it's like, thank you for coming to our amazing, you know, uh, student project horathon so i thought that would have been a really cool ending too but they went with none of that so Mm -hmm. yeah and it's also interesting to note that uh this film changed directors like in the middle of in the middle of the movie and also amazingly i this one really blew my mind the lead actress also like three weeks into filming they like completely changed the lead actress out and she just like reshot scenes like without like and like apparently a lot of the main actors like barely did any scenes with her and like barely knew her and stuff like that but i honestly i didn't really notice that because i thought like they you know like they had like had good chemistry and she i thought she was like good so i guess it was a good decision to have her replaced because i thought she was like one of the the better characters in, in the movie but uh let's dissect this ending here um and get your thoughts on it so Basically, the killer reveal. Uh, what we come to find out is, uh, well, basically, our lead actress there, and I, I can't remember her character name, so I apologize for that. But what we come to find out is that uh, this guy who made this Possessor movie, and I can't remember his name either. You know us with fucking our character names. I'm so sorry. Um, he's her daughter, right? Yeah. And so he he was her... Uh, he which she didn't know d wallace who is her mother she lied about this and basically he's dead which a lot a lot of the movie we think he is the one that is doing the killing in this this theater what we come to find out is that someone that was in the audience that night is the killer uh and it is one of the students uh his name is toby and basically him and his mother, I believe, were in the audience that night. And when the theater was set on fire, the mother didn't make it. And he got severely burned, and um, but made it out. 
And basically what he's been doing this whole time is he's been covering up his burns and scars by wearing um, like a mask or whatever. But then he's able to, which isn't really explained, but he's able to make masks some way, somehow that looks exactly like all the other people in the theater. And he's able to kind of shape shift uh, that way. Um, but when we, he does take off the mask, he's like severely burned really cool looking uh really creepy looking and i loved the uh reveal and he doesn't put a mask on the rest of the movie and it's really creepy and uh i really dug that uh so yeah i mean what did you think about uh the reveal of toby did you see it coming i mean i personally didn't no i, I didn't either um uh, yeah i don't think you could have really seen this one coming it's just kind right. of out there idea uh, i did like his look a lot I'm actually surprised we don't see this character like in figure form or sure uh, cool. at all. You know, it's something I think that would be a cool figure to to get and stuff like that. So I'm actually shocked mm-hmm. that a movie like this doesn't have more representation and uh, collectibles and stuff like that. Uh, I you know I, I liked the reveal, but at the same time, I was already like confused as to where the story is going at this point. So did they need to have this big elaborate story to? tie everything yeah. in maybe not uh but i was fine with it you know it didn't sway me either way i thought you know they're trying to kind of put the movie together in this way but uh yeah i was like i guess in the middle on this one not particularly like oh my god that's amazing or like oh my god that's terrible just kind of like okay this is what right we're doing <laughs> yeah yeah and his obviously toby's like ultimate revenge basically is he wants to make them pay so he tries to reenact um that night in the theater or whatever and then what ends up happening is uh the mosquito ends up uh now i don't even remember does anyone do the, do it or does it just malfunction and it just kind of sways and then takes him out impales him did, did it just malfunction or was there someone i think up it there? didn't i can't remember there might have been someone up there too I, there I might really have been remember. yeah all i remember yeah. is that the mosquito is the one who impales yeah. him to death. which which is a little lackluster for sure like it, it would have i wanted a little more out of that climax you know there wasn't like a big like you know fight scene or like a bat a struggle or anything to uh take out toby he just kind of uh dies quite easily uh which was disappointing but you know i was i was okay with it at that point and then the movie just kind of it kind of just like ends like it it does end very abruptly too which i I, so i did want a little more out of the out of the climax here yeah Yeah. no i i I completely agree yeah it's just it's fine yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right I guess uh, that's really all. That's really it. Um, interestingly enough, this movie was filmed in Jamaica, and the whole reason that band is even up there is because like they just like grabbed a band like on the streets or whatever and just threw them in there. Uh, very funny, <laughs> very interesting, uh, and that scene is hilarious. But yeah, that's that's really all I gotta say about it. So let's rate it, Steve. So uh, yeah, I I liked it. I give it a seven out of ten. You know, um, I thought it was an enjoyable film. I think this could have easily been like an 8.5 if they had just uh, had a little bit more focus and stuff like that, which could be production issues, could be story issues. I'm not sure. But if they had just put more focus into it, because I love the concept so much, uh, I'd actually like to see this concept done again, like a maybe not necessarily a remake of this film, but something along the lines of this film, I think would be really cool. I know like they kind of did a little bit of it in some of the screen movies, you know, with Stab, but something that's fully dedicated 
to you know uh gimmick theater kind of like matinee so people should check out matinee it's it's mm-hmm. been you know in the early 90s as well uh so yeah seven out of ten i liked it yeah yeah and it's interesting you mentioned we mentioned uh last matinee and um uh porno because they're both are very similar in a lot of ways to this one as they both take place in the in the movie theater and stuff like that i think this is a better movie than both of those honestly um and i enjoy it yeah i mean i enjoyed this one uh a lot actually i'm surprised i thought steve's rating was going to be lower uh so i was actually gonna give it a seven but um after steve's rating i'm gonna go a little higher now i'm gonna go seven and a half out of ten on that uh because i did really enjoy it i would watch it again um i think it's a great like midnight movie uh watch like with a with an audience or something like that and uh i mean the movie bombed when it came out um but it's really gained some cult classic uh status um does you know not huge not talked about a lot but there's definitely a a decent fan base for this one yeah i i gotta say this is one i remember the vhs cover more than yes the movie same. itself it's got a very <laughs> yeah. iconic uh like poster or vhs cover and that mm-hmm. always marked me like even when i was a kid uh, so yep. that's probably why I know I knew about this movie. Uh, so and that was very important back then, you know, a lot of movies like their VHS cover was so important. So definitely a very good one on this one with a woman uh, with the skeleton hand kind of taking his face off. And it's a it's a woman's face and stuff like that. So very cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, yeah, next week, guys, we are going to be doing uh, Hannibal. Because sadly, we found out that uh, Ray Liotta passed away today. Um, so we are going to dedicate next week's episode uh, to him. You can check out Hannibal. Uh, it says it is available on uh, Hulu Premium, YouTube Premium, Amazon Prime Premium. Also, if you have stars, so several ways to watch it or just rent it. Or I'm sure a lot of you guys own it at this point um, if you're a horror fan. So uh, stay tuned for next week. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just search the Horror Squad Podcast. Join our Discord, the Horror Squad Podcast. All you gotta do is uh, send us a private message uh, on any of our social media accounts and merch. Uh, our tea, We have a tea public, so all you gotta do is search. Basically, I, I, you know, I don't know the easiest way to do this because the, the website is like so long for it. So just Google the horror squad podcast t public and it will pop right up and that's the easiest way to do it we have a ton of merch on sale um that is really the best way to support the podcast if you want to support us in any way as of now so we would appreciate uh that and yeah i think that's it so we'll see you guys next week all right bye see ya
I'm Chiquita Banana, and I've come to say bananas have to ripen in a certain way, and when they're flecked with brown and have a golden hue, bananas taste the best and are the best for you. You can put them in a salad. Grief? No, not yet, my dear. That greenish way you're looking means that you are ripe for cooking. How about me? No, no. When you are fully ripe, my dear, those little flecks of brown appear. Me? You're most digestible, my friend. Delicious, too, from end to end. 